Film Fight Club, the show where we don't talk about film, we fight about film. I'm Glenn Falkenstein from Falcon Screen, and we are joined by Virat Nehru, a freelance writer and critic. Hello, hello. Chris Evans, a local Sydney filmmaker. Good to be here with you tonight. And we have Adele Drover from YouTube channel Roll Credits, who has come from the future that is YouTube and the interwebs to join us uh, in the in on radio. Adele, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. So we've got a big show planned. We're talking about American Essentials and 20th Century Women. We're talking about film. We're talking about television and where the big directors and big stars are going. Are they going? Are they staying in film? Or are they going to TV? But first, we're talking. The Sydney Film Festival. The Sydney Film Festival. This is the big news of the day. Now, the Sydney Film Festival, it is the biggest film festival in Australia. It is one of the biggest festivals in the world. And they launched their 64th annual program this morning. And it looks absolutely phenomenal. It's running from the 7th to the 19th of June. And I can't wait. I am so excited. I mean, gosh, just look at those films. So many films, so little time. Wow. It's it's it's, it's going to be fantastic. There yeah. are... All the best things are straight out of Khan. There is the retrospective on punk and retrospective on film and feminism. There and Akira Kurosawa. And Akira Kurosawa, absolutely. There is the highlights of female filmmakers throughout Europe. The festival is highlighting 10 f- prominent female filmmakers. Um, the, fil- the country of choice this year is Canada. So a lot of Canadian films, so any of the, our Canadian listeners. And as I said, all the best things coming out of Khan. You have The Beguiled. You have Sad Sorrow with Vanessa Redgrave, who will be joining us at the festival this year. Actually, I think the Cannes Film Festival should be renamed Nicole Kidman Film Festival this year because <laughs> there are at least four Nicole Kidman films from Cannes. I, I know, right? Yeah. But look, it's, she's got a pretty good lineup at the City Film Festival, so it's, it's I'm good. I'm pretty sure some of those will make the late editions, the surprise editions at this year's festival because we love Nicole Kidman. Well, who doesn't? Well, there's always surprises since the film festival, and Nash and Moodley, the festival director, will be joining us in the coming weeks to tell us all about it. But one of the best surprises that we got, was revealed this morning is that they are possibly saving the best film to last. There is a guest coming, and it's a closing night film, which all of us, but especially one of us, is very excited about. Yeah, Bong Joon-ho is, in my opinion, one of the best working directors in the world right now. Uh, he is a genre filmmaker who has created a brilliant synthesis of mainstream and art house sensibilities in my eyes every film he's made to date has been topping itself so i think you cannot miss the two chances that the festival will grant you to watch his new film oksha on the big screen Um, this film is going direct to netflix so once it's done at sydney film festival with bong joon ho in attendance you'll only be able to watch this on the small screen at home his movies you make absolutely brilliant use of the frame widescreen big cinema visuals that the big screen is really going to take to the next level this has a huge international cast jake gyllenhaal and Aldous swinton it's a monster movie it's a mystery it'll be fun it's an adventure why wouldn't you go see it yeah and for a change i agree with chris here you know <laughs> do not watch it on netflix because that will not do this justice this deserves to be seen on the big screen and one of the very few opportunities for you to do it because I don't think you'll get a chance. Yes, this is, this is actually one of the only screenings in a cinema in the world that the film is going to be given. Fantastic. And as always, Sydney Film Festival has a very, very strong South Asian film contention as well. One of the films I'm excited about is called Newton. It's supposedly a absurdist dark comedy, and it stars a very, very good upcoming Indian actor called Rajkumar Rao, who plays very good deadpan roles, and I'm very excited to see where he takes this one. And the director, Amit Mathurkar, has been very good because his first film was a slacker comedy. 
So I'm very interested to see what Indian cinema does with this genre of absurd comedy and where this takes it, because that seems interesting. And the other point is, obviously, the one I'm really looking forward to is Raoul Peck's I'm Not Your Negro, the great James Baldwin essay film. I've been reading up on my James Baldwin, and gosh, that man has a way with words. And I was really, really sad to know that none of his attempt at screenwriting ever made it to screen. We never got to see what a film from his perspective would have looked like. But I think this is the closest we can ever get to that. So I'm very, very excited what that will be. This will be my second year at Sydney Film Festival because I'm from Melbourne. So I am very much looking forward to attending the festival this year. I think that I am most excited to see The Beguiled. I bought my ticket this morning to see Sofia Coppola's um, latest feature and that's going to be starring Nicole Kidman and Colin Farrell. It looks like a Civil War era, bit of a psychosexual thriller type of moody, dark, brooding thing that only Sofia Coppola could do. So I'm really looking forward to that. Looks like a visual feast. It reminded me of Barry Lyndon today watching the trailer. Yeah, actually thinking about that, it, it sort of brought back memories of Childhood of Alida, which was one of those kind of really surprising hits from last year, which really I still have haunting visuals of based on that sort of soundtrack. So we're going to see all the great stuff from Carnival, a typical film festival fair, but there's also the stuff that will appeal to a, a, a very a very diverse range of people. There is the Freak Me Out section, which is one of the highlights every year, and this is a mix of horror, genre films. There is one... Uh, where essentially a bunch of teenagers play a game which turns you into serial killers. It has a very appropriate title. Game of Death. Game of Death. I mean, it's <laughs> Jumanji meeting Saw. I mean, who doesn't want to watch that? We, we, we think we all... I'm pretty excited as well about the chance to see Belle du Jour, which I shamefully haven't seen, and Taste of Cherry, which I love on the big screen as part of the restoration section. Um, it's always great to see films that you wouldn't otherwise get a chance to see on the big screen. Such a film nerd, Chris. Okay. <laughs> well, and, and, as as we all are, fairly so. But the Sydney Film Festival is it's a feast for film nerds that have been starved all year. So I'm going to take this opportunity to relish it. Oh, I heard and talk about go. it ad nauseum. Oh, Chris's ego is hurt. Oh, well, I mean, I think a few of us have been going to the festival for quite some time. But Adele, this was your first year last year. What was what what, what impression did you get coming to the festival for the first time? Oh, it's so exciting. I mean. Melbourne does have its own great festival, of course. MIF is the big, biggest one on the Melbourne film calendar. But uh, Sydney Film Festival last year, it's just amazing. And they have the festival hub, and it's just a huge cultural thing for all the film nerds like Chris out there. <laughs> it's a great place. It's basically built for my type. And I love that so much. Actually, I just had an idea. Maybe that's the fight we should have. Sydney Film Festival versus Melbourne International Film Festival. Oh, a oh, shout out to... Uh, hello, hello, Melbourne, we're coming for you. Melbourne, if anything, seems even more film nerd oriented. Well, we, we both they, they, The festivals are unique in that they have the hubs. The festival hub is in Lower Town Hall every year. There are talks and curated events. Margaret Pomerantz is doing a series and... Um, oh, isn't she? Oh, she's, she's phenomenal. Yeah, she's lovely. The hub gives something we can all agree on. Finally, <laughs> the hub gives you a, a genuine sense of community while the festival is on. Though it really, um, yeah, it, it deserves your time. Just hang there, talk to people. People just go there wanting to talk about film. 
you know, like, we met there actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, the hub is the oh, genesis of this program. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. thank you to the Sydney Film Festival. I know. Yeah. I wouldn't have met Glenn, who was a very awkward person typing away at the hub, and I thought, who is this really awkward fellow just typing in the corner? And, I, and he said, "Oh, hello. My name is Glenn." And I'm like. Okay, hello, human being. I want to be friends with you now. <laughs> There's something to be said about these kinds of communications in person and not just on the internet. And Sydney Film Festival brings all of us together, finally. It does remind me that I'm actually a sociable human being because sometimes I forget that I have social skills because I'm a film nerd as well. <laughs> Yeah, we spend a lot of time in darkened rooms just watching the screen. <laughs> There's no such thing as a community experience. You're, you're probably getting the idea from this that we're as excited about the social aspect of it as the <laughs> film aspect and yes that is correct yes there are a lot of great parties as well uh, Ben Mendelsohn is they're, they're, seriously there are no, it's part true of yeah. yeah and they're, they're all film themed last year there was one from a Cuban film and they had a massive Cuban party they've, they've got like a roller derby party I think this year yes, yes. yeah yeah, and, exactly. And the, and the silent discos, guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. cool. I did that last year. I did a silent disco, my very first silent disco. You put on your what? headphones. I know. You switch to whichever channel oh, you yeah. want to rock out to, and you just dance like exactly. everybody's watching. It's the best <laughs> of both worlds, being social and antisocial together. Yes. yes. It's great. It's great. Now, if you do Dream feel like, come true. If you do feel like being social and antisocial together, there are a lot of <laughs> venues. Um, at the Randwick Ritz, for some of the Eastern Suburbs residents, they yeah, are... Yeah, repping for the Ritz. Repping for the Ritz, yes. They have have a graduate and a number of premieres, actually. The t- new Terrence Malick film, yes. Song to Song. Song to Song, it's premiering. Gosh. Yes. Um, there Which are, nobody would want to watch because ex- they'll walk out of it. Expect it to ends. hear some some strong verbal fists being thrown between <laughs> me and Virat over this in the yes, coming there, weeks. Yes, there, there's a dedicated, like, basically episode Terrence Malick that's, that's going to come up. Um, no, it's like that have... episode we'd never do about David Lynch. Come on, we don't yeah, talk about Next Malick. week. Next it, week. It, 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 will, it will happen. But, oh, no, it's, but it's, look, we, we'll have a lot to talk about over the coming weeks. There are 37 world premieres, 288 films, 55 countries. Um, Jennifer Peedom's sequel to Sherpa is getting... <gasps> A, this is I am Barat so hit. excited. It's, okay, it's 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 incredible. They're with doing, live orchestra at the Sydney Opera House. They are, and if you have if you didn't see Sherpa, it is a phenomenal film, and this looks also and in such a disarming title, Mountain. Like, what am I supposed to infer from that? Nothing. It's just called Mountain. It's but a, it's got that really a, epic scale behind it. Yeah, it's going it. to be a testament to mountains. It's going to be a mountainous achievement. Wow, you mean... A mountainous piece of cinema. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the peak of cinematic achievement, you right? Really, really reached for that one, Chris. Okay, and we're done with the puns, yeah? And for all the... I know there's a lot of music listeners on the station. For the fans, there will be a Sounds on Screen series featuring one of my all-time favorite bands, The Sex Pistols. There will be a number of... Smash it up. There will be a number of historic documentaries on The Sex Pistols and a couple of new ones there is a rock mock indie mockumentary yeah we've got um which one yeah wayne's world direct uh penelope spheres debut the decline of western civilization considered one of the greatest rock documentaries of all time um which is an insight into the heavy metal scene in 1980 in los angeles which is playing as part of the smash it up part of the program which is celebrating 40 years of punk rock um Oh, sorry. I should correct that. the f- The first film they're playing, which is about the punk uh, punk rock, second film is about heavy metal. Um, and there's a lot of great music documentaries. I mean, Whitney, uh, the the Whitney Houston documentary. There's it's pretty impressive. New, the Julian Assange documentary after Citizen Four. Risk. Yes, it's playing at eleven o'clock on Saturday at the State Theatre. I already have a ticket. I think it'll be a very interesting one. She spent six years working on this. I know. I mean. Not that we are any close to understanding what Assange is like, but six years is enough time. 
Yeah, I just watched the trailer for that one this morning, actually. It looked really interesting, Risk. And apparently the filmmaker as well, while she was making the film, it kind of evolved into something else that she didn't quite expect, which I always find really, yeah, really interesting. Yeah, I mean, the comedies this year have really taken me by surprise. There's one called Bear Grisby. Oh, this is done well at Cannes, the Critics Week I final. Know, and that sort of blew people away. And the premise is so weird. Just one person with a bear trying to find out meaning and existence. A bear mm. costume, not a, uh, a bear. Well, in a bear costume, is that right? Even better, I think, yes. E- even better. Like yes. Italy's entrance to Eurovision. You know, because they, they had the similar kind of concept with... Uh, uh, I don't know, Frank, that's the one. Yes, which I also was that. at this festival a couple yes, of years Yes, Michael Fassbender, that's the one. Yes. Uh, and that had a similar idea, and that was very funny too. Well, there's Some a... people thought that. <laughs> oh, well, I, I certainly did, and there will be a lot of coverage of the festival in the coming weeks. We're going to go to a quick back break, and we'll be back talking about 20th century women and American essentials. Stay tuned. Sydney Film Festival is now on sale. There's over 350 screenings of 288 films from 62 countries over 12 days in 10 venues. From the magnificent State Theatre in the city to the Ritz Cinema in Randwick, there's bound to be a film and a venue just right for you. It all happens from June 7 to 18. You can buy your flexi passes or single tickets right now at sff.org.au. Sydney Film Festival, proudly sponsoring 2SER 107.3. And we're back with Film Fight Club. Now, the American Essentials Film Festival opened last night. It is playing at Powell Cinemas, Sydney, Melbourne, around the country. Uh, it's a fantastic festival focusing on independent American cinema and a lot of hits that won't make it into uh, cin- cinemas here. It has some very interesting uh, films lined up, like uh, a lot of retrospective uh, picks that have never been uh, you know, seen in Australian soil in decades, like, for example, Andy Warhol's Bad. And American Pastoral, one that I was ho- one of my favorite authors, Philip Roth. I was hoping we get a release here, and it will be playing there. A film about George Lazenby, our our own James Bond. Yeah, let's not talk about that. That, that. that sounds really interesting. That one, actually, you and I were talking about that yesterday, and I'd be very keen to see that one. I'm also really keen to see the directorial debut of YouTube and uh, Vimeo supercut editor Kogo Nada, who has made a career analyzing the works of esteemed directors through history and is now uh, being given a chance to show his own aesthetic chops and has directed a film, which I'm hearing very good strong things about. That film is called Columbus. Nice segue there, Chris, about YouTube, given that Adele is here. (laughs) Yes. Well played. (laughs) Yeah, YouTube is a very different medium to a live radio because on the YouTubes you can just just edit yourself to sound really intelligent and just take out all the best sentences and put them all together whereas here you have to deal with my unscripted (laughs) process which is even more intelligent than I remember. <laughs> oh, we should, we should just be on YouTube. I know. This, 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 is, this is the future. Uh, anyhow, we, we went to the festival opening last night, and the film was Mike Mills' 20th Century Women. He was also the director of Beginners, a lovely feature from some years back. Uh, the film last night starred Annette Benning, Billy Crudup, Elle Fanning, and Greta Gerwig. It is, it is set in America, in Santa Barbara, California, in the late 70s. 1979. 79. At a very interesting era, it's... Uh, it's a historical drama in a sense. It is about a young boy and his family. He's raised essentially by a number of women, and it's about him coming to terms with his life, society, and in many senses, feminism, and fem- feminism as it is seen very differently from a number of the women in his life. And there was a lot of differing opinion among us on just on the film itself. 
Yeah, I for one absolutely loved this film. Um, it's one of my favorites of the year so far, and I was surprised by how much I loved it. I thought Beginners was a strong feature, um, but it feels almost like a rough draft for this film for me. This film takes some of the aesthetic ideas from Beginners and pushes them to a new level. It has a lot of um, disarmingly beautiful shots. Um, I think it's a film about the way that culture shapes us, about the way that we use that to share our personalities when we have uh, trauma that stops us from being able to be more emotionally open. Um, I think it's a, a very true portrait of the way that people love each other just by trying to help each other. And the way that people and culture and experiences that surround us shape us, um, I found this film a really preferable take on the same kind of thing that I think Boyhood was going for a few years back that actually builds into a fully realized character. And uh, How but, dare you, Chris? Yeah. Boyhood was sacred. We don't talk about Boyhood. Oh. <laughs> right. It was robbed. Um, it- but if you actually, Batman was a superior film. But this is a fight we were reserving for <laughs> right, a right. entire episode. Right, right. Get so, out. Um, in cinemas now. Get out. <laughs> but um, even if you liked Boyhood, I'd still recommend you go and see Twentieth Century Women because I want everyone to go and see this film when it's released in cinemas on the first of June. Well, I I'm a little bit on the fence about it. I this is a film that I really wanted to love. I do agree that it was a really beautiful and int- intimate portrait study and it it has a kind of a meandering uh, plot which really gives the characters time to to breathe and just kind of sit with you in the scenes which I do love but at times it can be also frustrating because you don't really have that um, through line that sort of to push the story forward Um, it is a lot of yeah just sort of loose um, loose narration it is it is yeah it's little vignettes that are meant to add up to showing you how a person is shaped through little experiences. But we differ on how successful we think that is. But they don't add up to anything, Chris. They don't add up to anything. It's one of those half-baked ideas. And of course, if Chris loves the film, I am bound to hate it. It's almost karmic chemistry. You know, it's it's meant to happen. We have different takes on cinema, I'd say. Cinema is a big word, Chris. Don't use it lightly. This this film, I I guess I... Did quite enjoy it, but there were so many unrealized storylines. And there was a great bit where he confronted a kid at a skate park. There was a fantastic conversation between um, him and his mother at one point at the dinner table, which was heavily featured in the trailers. There was a relationship between the Billy Crudup and Greta Gerwig character, which were all very, very interesting. And what I loved about Beginners so much was you had two great characters and different timelines who you could really get into and really explore. But this felt like we weren't really getting as much as we would want to out of all these really, really interesting personalities. I mean, what I felt this film lacked was an emotional centre. This film did not have an emotional core. You did not know as the audience who to care for. I, I've cared about every single person in this film. And I care about you, Chris, but that doesn't mean <laughs> that you should be in a film. <laughs> okay, the, the thing uh, is, the I thing think it- this film had great ideas. I do agree. And I have great ideas. You know, I have great ideas at 3am in the morning when I'm lying awake in bed that I should open a bar that things should be this way or that way. But that doesn't mean that people should come to my house and fund those ideas and make them into a film. I'd argue that if you can express them in a passionate cinematic way, then yes, they should. This film for me... Oh, I'm uh, very passionate about my ideas, Chris. When Glenn was talking before about how this is a film of a bunch of moments and he didn't see it as... um, adding up to something. I think there was enough thematic link between the separate vignettes that we get that it did add up to an emotional core. I was quite devastated at the end of the film um, by the climax, which in a series of montages basically 
I think ties together a lot of the little moments throughout the film. Um, it, it's worth noting that Leslie Jones uh, edited this film. Um, her collaborations with Terence Malick show a very similar kind of approach to narrative of taking a bunch of little vignettes that don't necessarily add up to a full realized plot line, but moving them together to add up to a, a tonal poem or character of character. Yes, the vignettes were really probably the strongest thing, I think. And the way that the filmmaker has created the vignettes using the archival photographs and things, uh, mm. interjecting those. Similar to beginners in that respect. On a slightly serious note, because I've been trying to be funny and failing at it this entire episode, I no. think what really works, or what irked me, I think, rather, was that none of the characters were fully realized. I felt they lacked actual three-dimensional characterization. Apart from Nick Benning's titular central character, I felt all the other characters were just pastiches of what you know the young man in this narrative kind of felt they ought to be like. And I felt... That's what really got me. Hmm. Yeah, um, it's it's a fascinating film. I mean, it's one. It's definitely worth seeing. I mean, if only for a, Annette Benning, who look, doesn't always get a leading role and has always been a phenomenal actress. I agree. I mean, yeah. everyone will have a different perspective on it. So for that yeah. alone, yeah, yeah. I think you should go and watch it. I agree. I, I yeah, I didn't really know how to respond to her just then because I did feel like I knew the characters pretty well. Oh my god, just, Chris! Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, um, can we agree on something? Can we hug it out? <laughs> like after this episode, can we just hug? Yeah. This is film Black Club, not film Hug Club. But it, <laughs> honestly, honestly though, um, it's a gorgeous looking film. It is. It's yeah, very very beautiful cinematography. So I'd recommend uh, seeking it out on a big screen just to really appreciate that um, beautiful golden tones imbuing it with this hue of nostalgia. Um, Absolutely. So it's playing at the American Essentials Film Festival at Palace Cinemas. And then opens on the 1st of June. Absolutely. Now, the, there's been another big news in the film world this week, and that is that David Lynch, in a scoop by the Sydney Morning Herald, has uh, said, when asked, will you be making any more feature films? He said, no, I suppose not. He is, yes! Now, I am he is, so excited! Now, now, there's a lot of debate in this panel of David Lynch, and well, that'll be another episode, but... We'd Guess re- what Chris <laughs> thinks of David Lynch. Durant <laughs> <Ed> hates him. <laughs> yes, uh, of All will be revealed. Yes, so Stop we, giving it away, Chris! Inland Empire, oh dear. Um, now, but there is a lot of... It, it's got, But he is making, and it's being released in the next week or so. Yeah, 20, the 22nd weeks. of May... Which is very exciting. I mean, that, I, I'm, I'm more of the few that if you haven't seen Riverdale, go see that. But also Twin Peaks, it's yeah. quite a series. Twin Peaks, yeah. Twin Peaks season three is, um, I, I guess we'll discuss this more as we get closer to it, but it's quite a unique project in the way that it's fusing cinema production and TV. Um, and on that, it is interesting that so many major directors, Lynch included, are looking to go from film to television. And they say can better realize projects we talked earlier about okja and the fact that a major korean director the major korean director has decided to go to netflix where he has creative freedom and is this the way the film industry is going is this the way directors and stars should go or are we better off sticking with traditional film netflix and chill is that the serious undertones that people have forgotten to use i think um i think film and tv have very different strengths um i think you know, TV is about getting to know a character um, over the long term, whereas film is about or should be about 
more consistent moment to moment quality and just a tight experience that you you know that has been worked over to perfection outside of the rigid schedules of TV programming where they have to pump out however many episodes or you know over a season of 45 minutes each um, filmlet gives or should give essentially more freedom in exchange for not being able to get into that world and know those characters as well so I, I see them as fundamentally different. Yeah, it's. I sort of, I sort of agree, but at the same time, I think there's fundamentally different visual mediums, and I think that's yeah. a distinction that we ought to make, because you can have great writing in film and also great writing in television, mm. and they're fundamentally accomplishing the same end. They're, I mean, film and TV are both expressions of this some same greater, you know, medium, like whether we call it cinema or movies or something, they're basically just that. And there's no reason TV can't be as good as cinema visually or or that, um, you, you know. I, I think at the same time, I think films are meant to represent something very close to a director's vision, which we don't allow TV to represent because TV is still being, you know, when you're making a TV show, it's a collaborative effort for a lot more people. The screenwriting, you know, Writers Guild, and there's a whole TV show of writers, and the writer's actually the head of a TV show as a, and a showrunner, essentially. Yeah, yeah, because the one thing that's consistent across every episode is the characters and the world that the writers yeah. created, so they have more power than the yeah. director, whereas when you make a film, a director has so much time outside of the TV production schedule to work, to work through every moment that they can create the, the meaning going forward overlaid on top of the, the text that they're actually directing. Hashtag audio theory. Yeah. So they're, they're quite different. I, I, I do enjoy both. Like, I like reading the classic serials in the same manner that I like enjoy watching television. But there's something amazing about a film in that it is finite. You don't have to... And I, yes, I wasn't the biggest fan of 20th Century Women, but I appreciated that they weren't trying to tell an overarching life story. They were trying to tell a finite, confined story. Yeah, exactly. So we accept that with film with television, there's more of a pressure to, if you have infinite number of scenes, you may not, to tell a ever-expanding story, which isn't always as engaging as two hours in some amazing person's life. I think let's let's talk about the elephant in the room, which we're kind of beating around the bush. It's the idea that film is, was supposed to be, but now it isn't anymore, a communal experience where yeah. you go and you sit in a dark room undisturbed for a certain amount of time and you can really give yourself to this experience which is unfolding on screen. Perhaps. What's the main question here? Is that Are we, are we arguing of whether cinema is better, is a more pure form of... I suppose the, the question is, should people go towards cinema or film now, right? Is it, or, or television? Because I think because, you know, essentially what has happened is our viewing habits have changed. We now watch movies on our tablets, mobile phones, and there's no <clears> longer this communal experience that a lot of directors like Scorsese and even Lynch are sort of nostalgically feel like we're missing out on. Yeah, I think perhaps... Uh, the, the reason we're having this debate now and the reason TV is thriving while film seems to be in a downturn is the internet. Um, the communal experience today is social media. So much of the, the uh, which I feel a little bit sad saying. but so, YouTube, Adele. So, so much... <laughs> evil corp, evil corp alert. <laughs> um, so much of the discourse around peak TV and the reason people get into it is the thrill of like live tweeting it and talking about it on on uh, you know feedbacks and comment sections, um, TV. That's half the fun of television is being able to interact with that fandom. Yeah. Continue the discussion between the weeks 
before the next episode drops. But film is doing that too. I mean, it's an interesting example, but Sharknado has crowdsourced <laughs> what should be the next film. Do you want Tara Reid to die? Like, this is a legitimate okay. question. The Room the room as well. Yeah. That's, yes. a, that's, that's the ultimate, like a Rocky Horror-esque, uh, you know, communal experience for our age now. Yes, thanks to the plane. Look at our IQ yeah. just drop by 50 points at least. Sharknado? And those films are great. They're exactly what they promised. To, to lift it up a bit... Um, Going into whether TV is the way forward instead of film, which is the argument that a lot of people are making now, I think it's easy for David Lynch to make this argument because he's been given a hell of a deal with Twin Peaks that I don't think is representative of what an artist seeking to work in TV from the ground up would ever be given. With Twin Peaks, he's being given the the chance to make as many episodes as he wants with total creative freedom. He's being given um, room to improvise like a third of the season um, no one would get that on television, and these are the things. The exception to the rule. Exactly. These, so it's easy for him but, to but say Chris, that film film is nobody over. Nobody has ever got David Lynch. Even <laughs> David Lynch has never got himself. <laughs> right, right. David. Yeah. Well, he works on instinct, but um, that's one word for it. But yeah, I think TV limits you. I th- a reason that I'd strongly argue for film uh, um, as a choice to go into. Um, for people starting off is that film is still so much more democratic you have the chance to create something um, without distribution methods okay tv you need to compete to get a slot on television and there'll be many more discussions about this coming week and coverage of the sydney film festival and david lynch and all his exploits we're bang out of time uh thanks for joining us the podcast will be up on falcon screen in the meantime enjoy movies and check out the sydney film festival program good night good night